Jesus gives his people eternal life, purpose, and hope so they can maintain joy in trials as they seek to display faith in Christ that will draw others to him. This is what we will study in this episode of Through the Word. Hi, I'm Adam Burton. I'm the pastor at Central Baptist Church in Maysville, Kentucky. Every Thursday, I release a new Bible study that, that comes from the Gospel Project, where we go chronologically through the entire Bible to see how all of Scripture points to Jesus. Thank you so much for watching. We are live right now on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, and our website at cbcmaysville.com. You can also subscribe to the Through the Word audio podcast in your favorite podcasting app. And would you please get the word out about Through the Word by liking and sharing this episode? It would mean so much to me. Also, I would love to hear from you. So please email me at adam at adamburton.net. If I can pray for you, call or text our prayer hotline at 305-707-PRAY. That's 305-707-7729. I'll keep your request confidential and you can even send it in anonymously if you want. I believe in the power of prayer, and I want to pray for you. Lastly, if you would like to know more about this awesome church that I pastor, go to our website at cbcmaysville.com, where you can find tons of resources to help you to grow in your faith. Are you ready? Let's study the Bible. The first day of school for a preschooler or kindergartner is a big deal. Whether it's a, a bigger deal for the parents or the child, it's sometimes hard to tell. This teary-eyed milestone is possibly the first time a child leaves the comfort zone of home and or parents. Knowing the opportunities for learning the risk of social rejection this new environment will bring, wise parents will try to prepare their child as much as possible for potential rejection by assuring them that, that the family is the child's safe place where they are known, loved, and accepted. Thankfully, in Peter's first epistle, God's people are reminded that in Christ we have a safe place of acceptance and hope even as we suffer through trials that result from the world's rejection. In response to this rejection, Christians are to do good to those who may oppose them because believers worship the one true God revealed in Jesus. In this session, we will delve into how the world responded to the message of Christ's resurrection and how Peter exhorted Christians to engage with those who often opposed them. Peter's instruction to Christians during this time applies even now, as we too are called to hope in the imperishable, rejoicing during hard times, and honor those God has placed in authority by doing good. Here's our first point. God's people hope in an imperishable treasure. Hope stirs the human soul. The fullness of a better tomorrow can fuel perseverance in the face of life's worst circumstances, while its absence can suffocate the most prosperous person's will to exist. Why do you get up in the morning? What keeps you going? The why in each person's context may differ, but if one's hope is not anchored in Christ, it will eventually fail because every earthly reason is momentary and fleeting. But thankfully, the scriptures promise that God's people have a better hope, living hope, because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
Read with me. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in a heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. The resurrection of Jesus is not just a noteworthy historic event. It is the why for the believer's hope. Jesus' resurrection assures us of God's great mercy to save sinners, which is why Jesus died in the first place. Furthermore, God secures the believer with a living hope, a sure hope for resurrection and eternal life. In the midst of any circumstance that would try to breed hopelessness, because our living Savior, King, reigns forever, God's people can be happy and steady. The victorious Jesus puts Satan to open shame and ultimate defeat by crushing Satan's head with his perfect life, sacrificial death, and glorious resurrection. God's merciful promise to sinful humanity made a way back in the Genesis chapter 3 verse 15 prophesying the serpent's defeat is, is consummated and confirmed through the resurrection of King Jesus for all to see. There would be no hope for sinners if there were no resurrection of Jesus, as we would remain indebted to by our irreconcilable offenses in the sight of God, as Jesus, still in the grave, would render all of us hopeless in our sin. The same Holy Spirit who raised Christ from the grave also will raise those who place their faith in the risen Savior. God redeems a people for himself by giving them new birth, new life, and new hope in Christ through the work of the Spirit and the tool of the gospel. How should Christ's resurrection change our perspective on suffering? Well, all suffering is temporary, right? Those who suffer for, uh, for Christ will be vindicated by God. We can endure suffering with hope for the blessings to come. The Christians Peter wrote to had experienced some opposition for their faith in Christ. But Peter encouraged them to focus not on what could be lost, but rather on what could be gained, a perfect inheritance that can never fade away, namely, our salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ. Human beings, devices, or plans cannot affect this treasure, nor can they keep you from it because of the all-powerful God is guarding you until your faith is made sight at the final resurrection with Jesus' second coming. In Peter's day, traditional safety and security as we, we know it, like insurance policies, retirement plans, were, were unknown. But Peter informed God's people that the safe and secure treasure is attainable and is found in heaven where Christ is. Therefore, followers of Christ should be storing up treasures in heaven through their faithful obedience to God. You know, most people listen to their desire to be safe and secure. It is this reason that many people opt not to have strangers in their homes, fearful of that an outsider might steal valued possessions or, or perhaps attempt to, to take their very lives. It is the reason that in American culture, security is a billion-dollar industry. Wanting to be safe is not intrinsically wrong. 
Now, our desire to be safe and secure is a desire that comes from God. However, when earthly safety and security becomes the focus of a person while refuge in God through faith in Christ takes a back seat, idolatry is at hand. Now, not all persecution that was physical, such as with the churches in Asia Minor to whom Peter was writing. Indeed, 1 Peter says that nothing about Christians suffering physically for their faith. The focus is on the verbal abuse and discrimination they receive because of their Christian commitment. Now, of course, verbal abuse easily leads to physical mistreatment, and it is possible that some of the believers to whom Peter wrote were suffering physical abuse for their faith as well. Check out this essential doctrine, life after death. The Bible teaches that when a Christian dies, he or she immediately is with the Lord. Now, this is what some people call an intermediate state, given that the final state for believers takes place at the future resurrection. For those who are not in Christ, life after death results in being separated from Christ in a state of suffering, even though future judgment remains. Here's our second point. God's people rejoice knowing trials are temporary and purposeful. Read with me 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6-9. through 9. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes through it, is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him, now see him. You believe in him and rejoice with a joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Believers will face trials when following Jesus, a, a surefire guarantee from Jesus himself. You know, God's people will experience the, the grief of, of living in a fallen world opposed to Christ. Though we will endure fiery trials of all sorts that remind us of what appears to be our approaching doom, we can worship God in the midst of them because they serve a dual purpose. One, to purify the faith of Jesus' followers and to prepare for the fulfillment of their hope, the coming of Christ. To purify the faith of Jesus' followers, gold ore, mined out of the earth, is valuable. But it becomes more so after being refined. Right? The process of refining involves flames engulfing and melting the gold so the, the impurities contained within the ore rise to the surface and they can be removed. What remains is pure gold, one of the most valuable substances on earth. Similarly, the faith of believers is refined through fiery trials, but the result is a faith more valuable than gold because it is spiritual and imperishable to prepare believers for the fulfillment of their hope. The coming of Christ, bringing the child into this world, is no easy feat. A mother will endure nine months of constant changes as a bystander in her own body. The nausea, stretching, and hormonal influx cannot be controlled. Though an expectant mother may be weighed down by the fear of the unknown, the hope of holding her soon-to-come baby is weightier than her heaviest anxiety. As the labor contractions alert her senses to her pending misery of giving birth, 
They concurrently motivate her to work hard for her soon-coming reward. Finally, the delightful shrieks of her newborn signal her that ushering life into this world was worth the pain than just moments ago signaled what appeared to be her impending doom. Her joy is so full that it erases her former anguish. Similarly, God's people look forward to the day they can see their salvation physically through the revelation of Jesus Christ at his second coming, which will completely erase all our anguish that results from our present trials. Now, the difference between a believer and a non-believer is not whether or not suffering exists in their lives. No, both groups will experience suffering, but the believer can endure and grow in his or her faith. Why? Because the believer's assurance is wrapped up in a person. A believer's love, faith, and joy are wrapped up in Christ himself. We have confidence that he will save our souls, even if our world as we know it is perishing. Check out this quote. It is because of Christ that our suffering is not useless. It is a part of the total plan of God who has chosen to redeem the world through the pathway of suffering. Christ himself had an end goal in the midst of his suffering. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2 states that it was because of the joy that was set before him that he endured the cross, despising shame, and seated and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Christ, the innocent man, endured the most agonizing suffering possible and did so with the end goal of joy in mind. Similarly, believers can look confidently to Jesus, the source and perfecter of their faith, and rejoice. We can rejoice knowing that our joy isn't circumstantial. It is rooted in our eternal Christ, whom we love, trust, and believe will save us not only from our present anguish, but save us from body and soul for eternity. When suffering is near and joy seems far off, How can God's people be reminded to keep pressing toward the goal of their faith? We can by remembering the suffering that Christ endured for our salvation. We can dwell on the joy of our salvation to come after we endure. We can believe that our current trials are serving a purpose of refining us and making us more like Jesus. We dwelling with one another in the church for mutual encouragement, in the faith, confessing to one another about our struggles and seeking prayer and support. Here's our last point. God's people honor and do good to those in authority. Read with me 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 11 through 17. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that, that those who do, or that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone. 
love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. You know, as strangers and as outsiders living in this world, God's people will be hated and attacked purely for our association with Christ. Yet in the midst of the hate-induced passions of our present day culture, we are called to abstain from the temptation to, of pursuing sinful desires in the process, particularly the, the sinful desire to vengefully combat our persecutors. Instead, we are called to behave with goodness and honor toward those who don't know God and dishonor us as a result. And hopefully, they too, to see the Christ in faith. You know, when we blamelessly represent Christ while being oppressed, Jesus is glorified. And when our oppressors witness our gentle and humble response in the name of Christ, those who are against him are pointed toward him. The believer's spiritual reward of pleasing God by living righteously among the unrighteous outweighs the sacrifice involved. Now certainly, God being lifted high and potentially believed upon by God-haters is worth the restraint and honorable living required of God's people. You know, 60 years ago, one six-year-old child named Ruby Bridges approached the entrance to of her new elementary school. Now surely, her first day would be a promising one. But news of this child's attendance at the school became known around town. But she was welcomed, not by smiles and enduring faces, but with slanderous picket signs held by outraged adults and their children. These adults were upset because this young girl, who was unaware of the hate-induced passions of those surrounding her, was disrupting segregationist ideals as the African as the first African American girl to step foot in an all-white school that seemed that deemed her an outsider. Her parents could have responded with hate of their own for the way their vulnerable daughter was treated. She had to be escorted by federal marshals for her protection, yet they found hope in their daughter that would be exposed to better academic opportunities. You know, Ruby could have refused to run or, or refused or run, but her consistency and kindness have given her a platform for championing racial equality for generations. Check out this essential doctrine, evangelism. It is the duty and it's the privilege of every Christian and of every church of the Lord Jesus Christ to make disciples of all nations. The new birth of man's spirit by God's Holy Spirit means the birth of love for others. Missionary efforts on the part of all thus rest upon the spiritual necessity of the regenerate life and is expressly and repeatedly commanded in the teachings of Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ has commanded the preaching of the gospel to all nations. It is the duty of every child of God to seek constantly to win the lost to Christ by verbal witness undergirded by a Christian lifestyle. You know, how are believers to honor Christ in their conduct? One way is to submit to human authorities, not because a person has earned it or is worthy of such submission, but because of the Lord. We are to submit as unto the Lord by doing good and refusing to do evil, even at the cost of persecution. The example of the Christian's goodness, which ultimately reflects our good God and Savior Jesus Christ, should silence the ignorance of the foolish who would find fault with the Christian and hopefully lead them to the wisdom of God found in Christ. 
No, Peter didn't place a convenient feel-good parameters around his instruction to submit to every human authority. He radically charged us to submit to our human authorities, whom God has sovereignly put in place for his wise purposes and plans, whether those authorities be good, bad, or exceptionally ugly. Christians submit to the governing authorities out of an overflow of worship to God. Submission is a loving choice to be under the authority of another human in reverential honor and the fear of God. Now, there are, however, occasions when believers must respectfully defy human authorities, namely when they command actions that violate God's law and God's ultimate authority. You know, for example, David continued praying to God three times a day when a law was passed to, to trap him in this practice. And Peter himself defied the Pharisees when they commanded him not to preach in Jesus' name because he knew listening to God outranks listening to human beings. And God's people will endure a myriad of trials in this life. Though the, the heartache and pain associated with these trials are very real, we have a tangible, living hope because Christ is no longer in the grave. Praise be to God that no amount of difficulty or persecution can trump that reality. See, enjoy, we press through hard times, keeping our eyes on Jesus, not because hard times are joyful, but because our goal of salvation induces joy, even as we take up our crosses and follow Jesus. In this climate of hostility and opposition, we are called not to retaliate, but to demonstrate goodness in submission to every authority. And in doing this, we follow the one who was unjustifiably wronged, yet in submission to his Father and love for us and died to save his enemies. Our faith, both in the good times and the bad, will be put on display for the world to see. Our Christ, let them witness a worthy exhibit that in turn draws them to Jesus. Because we have been saved through the suffering of Jesus, we patiently endure trials and fight for joy so that we may display in faith the in Christ that will draw others to him. Well, it's time for us to take what we've learned and to apply it to our lives this week. So I want you to choose one of these options, at least one of them, as a way to respond to the truth of God's word. First, how can you see Christ in you as you respond to the trials of your life? Two, what are some ways your, your church can encourage one another in truth when trials arise in each other's lives? Three, as you take up your cross and follow Jesus, how can you intentionally believe for yourself and testify to others that God is still good even in your suffering? Check out this quote. Worshipful reverence and awe, not cowering dread, define a right fear of the Lord. When we fear the Lord rightly, we do so not as those who are terrified of him. Christ, as our mediator, assures us that we may approach the throne of God with confidence. Pray with me, please. Our God and Father, you are sovereign over our trials and persecutions. Help us to display as joy as we suffer so that we might point others to the supremacy of Christ. 
We are thankful for your son, Jesus' example in enduring suffering obediently so that we might be saved. We ask for the Holy Spirit's supernatural power to enable us to submit and suffer faithfully as our Savior did. Amen. Thank you for watching this week's Bible study. God's people are called to endure life's trials with hope, joy, and honor so that even those who wrong us might see the goodness of Christ through us. When we live in this way, we follow the pattern of Jesus, who for the joy that lay before him endured the cross. Because of Jesus' obedience to the Father on the cross, we who wronged him but now trust in him have been saved. Let me close with this. Jesus came to live the perfect, sinless life that you could not live. He died the sinner's death that you deserve. And he defeated both sin and death by rising from the grave. See, you can be saved from your sins by putting your faith and trust in Jesus alone for that salvation. Are you ready to give your life to Jesus? If so, please connect with us. You can call or text our prayer hotline at 305-707-PRAY. That's 305-707-7729. Or you can go to our website at cbcmaysville.com and click on that Connect tab because we want to put some free resources in your hands to help you to know what it looks like to follow Jesus. If you enjoyed this episode, would you please share it so that others too can experience God's Word? Next week's episode of Through the Word, it's titled, The Word Became Flesh. We will see that Jesus is the Word who came to reveal God and provide life for all who believe in Him. Lord willing, I'm going to see you next Thursday for Through the Word. God bless.